The following message comes to you from the pulpit of Zion Primitive Baptist Church in Zion, Alabama. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com. I want to welcome you today to the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is an outreach of Zion Primitive Baptist Church, which is located in the Zion community near Gordo, Alabama. I'm Elder Chris McCool, and I serve as pastor of Zion Primitive Baptist Church. We are a congregation of believers in the sovereign grace of God where families worship together through the simple practice of preaching, praying, and singing. If you live in this area or are visiting here, we would love to have you attend worship services with us. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. and the first and third Wednesday evenings at 6.30 p.m. I'm happy to note that our daily podcast is featured on Grace Alone Radio, which you can find at gracealoneradio.net. You can find the schedule on the website, and you can also download an app to your phone so that you can listen wherever you are. Grace Alone Radio is a 24-hour streaming service which carries the message of God's sovereign grace around the clock and around the world. Zion Primitive Baptist Church is located at 9487 County Road 49, Gordo, Alabama. That's near the intersection of County Road 49 and Alabama Highway 159, about 10 miles north of Gordo, Alabama, and about 8 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com that's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C dot com, where you'll find all of our posted sermons as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website, which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. Back in 2015, I preached a series of messages entitled, My People Are Destroyed for Lack of Knowledge. And while this topic applies across the board, we were looking specifically at the issue of same-sex marriage. You see, 2015 was the year that same-sex marriage was legalized by the U.S. Supreme Court. And while we're not singling out that particular sin, because all sin is abomination in the sight of God, this sin was the sin that was in our faces at the time and continues to be in our faces today. And what we learn from the Word of God is that this sin itself is just a symptom. The heart of the problem is that God's people don't know what the Word of God says. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Join us today as we continue looking at this issue and we see how important it is for God's children to know what God's Word says. But first, we have a song selection that I hope you enjoy. After the song, please stay tuned for another message of God's sovereign grace from the Zion Primitive Baptist Church pulpit.
morning we spoke along some the lines of some hard things. And uh, there are things that, that I don't apologize for because they're in the Word of God. But I want to go back to them this, this evening because uh, as of tomorrow in the state of Alabama, same-sex marriage will be legal unless the Supreme Court intervenes. And I want to go back to this thought that we had this morning about the problems in our society and what we're facing and as, a, as a people and as the people of God. I don't want to review too much, but I, I am going to review a little more this evening than I normally would because I want to make sure that those who weren't here this morning understand what we're talking about. And first of all, let me just uh, take you to the book of Hosea in the fourth chapter and the sixth verse. And it's a very familiar passage to many of you. Uh, the first part of that verse says this, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed. For lack of knowledge. Now that's not talking about we need more scientists or philosophers, okay? That's talking about the Word of God. The people of God in that day were in a terrible situation. Hosea was prophesying during the time of Uzziah and Jotham, his son, and Ahaz, his son, and then Hezekiah, uh, who was actually a good king. But Uzziah was the king who uh, left church over problems, if you will. He was the one who tried to usurp the priestly authority and was struck with leprosy and he never went back to church. His son Jotham was a pretty decent king, but, uh, but he never went to church. He never set foot in the temple. And then his son Ahaz was one of the worst kings in the history of the kingdom of Judah. He, he sacrificed his children to the god Molech. He, he tore down the, tent, the, the uh, worship places. He destroyed, he closed the temple and destroyed the instruments of worship in the temple. And, and Hosea was just preaching in a time and prophesying in a time where he saw the decline of, of uh, the, the nation there because the people of God had forsaken the study of the word of God. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Beloved, that is the time that we live in today. We live in a time when people of faith, people who claim Christianity, and I believe children of God in many instances, uh, have, have, uh, are so ignorant of the Word of God that they're even endorsing some of the things that are going on in our society. I read you this morning. I'm going to read it to you again, though. This morning I read you the quote from a pastor in Birmingham in regard to homosexuality. And he, he preached a sermon in 2013 entitled, Is Homosexuality a Sin? And his conclusion was, no, it's not. And here's what he said about it. Now, let me say this. When you leave, when you, when you deviate from the truth of God's Word, you're headed for disaster. And I used that example this morning, and I'm going to use it again tonight, of leaving New York Harbor on a boat headed for London, England, but one degree off. One degree off course. It doesn't seem like much at first. It's just a little bit of difference. You know, an angle at the beginning is very small distance between the two sides. But the farther they get, uh, you get along the angle, the farther away they get from one another. And when you're one degree off, you may head for New York Har from New York Harbor to, to uh, London, England, and you're one degree off, you may end up in Africa instead of your destination. And beloved, that's the way it is when you deviate from the truth of God's Word. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And I want to say this that again, and I know some of you that were here have heard this already, but I think it bears to be repeated. 
do not ever get into the trap. Don't fall into the trap of, well, it really doesn't matter what we believe. Uh, we don't need to worry too much about doctrine. Let me tell you, it matters what we believe. And, and you say, well, you preach the truth, what you consider to be the truth of salvation by grace alone. Others preach a form of grace and all that, but it doesn't really matter. God's children are God's children, and, and they're everywhere, and they're doing the best they can. It does matter. It's not, it doesn't have eternal consequences. Let me tell you, God's going to save His people from their sins. They're going to heaven, beloved. Every child of God who was chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world, whose, whose sin debt Christ paid for, who, who, whom the Holy Spirit has quickened, every single one of them will be in heaven one day. We'll fellowship with them fully. We'll love them completely. We'll be together forever. But in this life, it makes so much difference what you believe and what you understand about the Word of God because you can be destroyed for lack of knowledge. It's important that we stand grounded on the doctrines of grace. Yes. And I read this this morning, but I want to read it again. This is the quote from this pastor in Birmingham. He says, uh, last summer, a person who was homosexual, a person attending the church, accepted Christ and asked to be baptized. And the pastor said, I baptized him. <clears throat> Four weeks later, he fell down dead of an aortic aneurysm. He said, I believe a soul may have been saved because of my stance on welcoming homosexuals. Now you understand what's happened here. This pastor, who I have no reason to question his sincerity. I don't know the state of his eternal salvation. I don't know. He appears, he sounds compassionate. He sounds loving. Maybe, you know, sounds like there may be, uh, maybe he's a child of God and, and he's got this, you know, he's been born of the Spirit. But look at what he's done. He's away from the doctrines of grace. And because he does not understand the doctrines of grace, he has now compromised on the other truths of God's Word and said, you know what? Because it's my job to save people to eternal heaven, I'm going to compromise on some of the other things in the Word of God, and I believe the means will justify the ends. I'll get him in heaven, you see. Now, beloved, if I believe the way he did, as I said this morning, I might be tempted to compromise too. I might be tempted to build a family life center and, and promote basketball teams and, and softball teams and all kinds of other activities in the church of God just to get them in so I could save them. Beloved, see, when you get away from the teachings of the truth of God's Word, you see where you can end up. Now, I know everybody doesn't go to this point. I'm not accusing everyone who doesn't believe the doctrines of grace of going as far as he did. But why not? Why stop at, 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 at any point beyond going all the way to try to do whatever you can to save people eternally? He believes that he needed to do that because it was his job to get people to heaven. Well, here's the problem with that. It's like I preached not too long ago from the book of John, the 11th chapter, and the story of Lazarus. You know, there was a time there when Lazarus had died. And you know the story. Jesus tarried, but he, he finally went four days after he'd been dead. And he already had been, was, his body was in the process of decomposition. And you remember what he said? He said, Lazarus, come forth. And then it says, He that was dead came forth still bound with the grave clothes and a napkin over his face. He was bound up in the grave clothes. He said, Jesus, he said Lazarus, come forth. And then he said to those around him, Loose him and let him go. 
You see, here's the problem with the religious world today. They're trying to do the Holy Spirit's job instead of the church's job. It's the job of the Holy Spirit to quicken and make alive. Only Jesus could call him to life, but the people standing around could loose him and let him go. That's the church's job. Only the Holy Spirit could quicken one and make him alive, but we as the church of God have the duty, the obligation, and the privilege of helping to free them from those old vain traditions given by their fathers, those grave clothes of, of, of bondage of sin and all kinds of things that we can help the children of God. I'd be loosed from. You see, it's not this preacher's job to get them saved to eternal heaven, but it is his job to preach the truth to them yeah. and to free them from the bondage of sin and that sins. Mm-hmm. So man, beloved, has raised same-sex marriage and homosexuality to the level of being a fundamental right. Mm-hmm. But I want to talk some more this evening about what does God say about it? What has God said about this, uh, this sin of homosexuality. Well, according to the Word of God, and we started that this morning and didn't finish it, over in the 13th chapter of the book of Genesis, we read about a city where this particular sin was very prevalent. You know the story. This is where Abraham and Lot uh, come to part ways. And in verse 10, Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord had destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. He used human reasoning to figure out where he ought to be on this matter. Beloved, there are many children of God in the world today using human, human reasoning to figure out where they ought to be on the matter. I read a lot in the papers about marriage equality. I hear read a lot in the paper about love, love, and how that love knows no boundaries, and how that uh, uh, you can't you can't choose, uh, you can't help who you love. Well, that sounds good. You know, that sounds reasonable. It, if I reason it out, who doesn't like love? You know, I like love better than hate. You know, uh, who doesn't like equality? I like equality better than inequality. It sounds reasonable to me. It sounded reasonable to Lot to go down to this place where the well, the well-watered lands were where the fertility was, it seemed reasonable to him to do that. The problem is my people can be destroyed, God says, through lack of knowledge. He wasn't looking at the Word of God. He wasn't testing his decisions and his his way of thinking by what the Word of God says. And so what happened was, in verse 11, Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves one from another. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan. What was significant about the land of Canaan? It was the promised land. It was a place God said, I want you to go. It's the place God said, I'm going to give you, Abraham. It's the place God said, I'm going to bless you, Abraham. And Lot left that. You know, you can imagine Lot's way of thinking. Lot was thinking, we just, we just experienced a famine here. And we had to go down into Egypt, which is another story altogether. They should never have gone to Egypt. Nothing good came out of Egypt. A little, a little Egyptian maid came out of Egypt that gave Abraham great, great problems down the road. The things that were in Egypt allured Lot. And so he began to look for them when he came back. Lot's reasoning was, though, in Canaan, we just had a famine. I better find some place that's fertile and well-watered everywhere. So Abram, though, knew the promises of God. He dwelt in the land of Canaan. 
And Lot dwelt in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. And here is the rest of the story in verse 13. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Now, when we read more about Sodom, especially in the 19th chapter, we're going to find out what their sin, their open sin was that they were participating in. And it was the sin of same-sex marriage, you might say. Openly uh, flaunting that sin in the streets, endorsed by the governmental authorities of that day, or at least tacitly recognized. And God says, these men were wicked and sinners exceedingly. That word exceedingly there, I like it. It's a, it's a, it's a word that when I was taking Hebrew, I always kind of like it. It sort of rolls off the lips, ma'od. Tov ma'od means very good. Ma'od is the word there. And it means heavy. It means with great force. And you know what he's saying here? These people weren't just normal sinners. They were sinners with much force before the Lord. It was an open, active, uh, wide open sort of sin. And then over in the 19th chapter, as or the 18th chapter, I'm sorry, as the men that uh, had come down to visit with Abraham and they had, um, uh, they had spent some time with him and of course they were the Lord himself and some angels with him I believe and, uh, and it says in verse 16 the men rose up from thence and looked towards Sodom Sodom had caught the eye of the Lord now understand that God is everywhere present and nowhere absent he's a God that is omnipresent he's omniscient he knows all but yet, there are some times when particular places and particular people and particular sins catch the eye of the Lord, so to speak. And many times he suffers sin, he suffers sinful nations to continue, but there are times when he says, enough is enough. And this is what happened here. He said, he looked toward Sodom, and then Abraham came back out, and then the Lord said, shall I hide this thing from Abraham, which I'm going to do? And he, and he brags on Abraham and tells us what Abraham's like. And then he says this, verse 20, The Lord said, Because the cry of Sodom and Gomorrah is great, and because their sin is very grievous, I will go down now and see whether they have done altogether according to the cry of it, which has come up unto me, and if not, I will know. Now God didn't have to really, he wasn't trying to gather information for himself. But he was going down there to prove a point to us and to prove uh, what he was going to do. But listen to what he said about it. He said their sin is very grievous. This wasn't just a small matter in the sight of God. That word uh, grievous there, very grievous, means to be heavy, to be burdensome in a bad sense. Now, interestingly enough, the same Hebrew word is used when it talks about honoring people. It says to honor our father and our mother. That same Hebrew word is used there, depending on the context as to whether it's a good connotation or bad. And that means in that sense to give great weight to your relationship between your mother and your father, to give great weight to what they say. But when used in this, in this situation, it's almost as if he's saying that this sin is in an honored place of shame. It's high up on the shame list. It's not just a normal sin. It's a grievous sin. It's in a place of shame before the Lord. That's what God thinks 
about what's going to happen in America tomorrow, in Alabama tomorrow. It's very grievous in his sight. And the problem with Sodom and Gomorrah, beloved, wasn't that there were a few people down there who engaged in that type of activity. The problem with Sodom and Gomorrah was it was prevalent throughout the land and endorsed openly by the people there. Oh, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. What does God think about it? This morning we went to the creation. In the creation, God tells us what He thinks about marriage. He says in the second chapter there, it's not good for the man to be alone. I'll make a helper meet for him, a partner, someone who's appropriate for him. And none of the animals worked. Nobody, there was nothing else. He, he, he paraded them all in front of Adam and let Adam see them, and not in order to figure out if there was a proper mate there, but to prove to Adam that there wasn't. And so he put Adam in a deep sleep and he took a rib from his side. And when he woke up, I said this morning, I can just see the vision on his face. Kind of like the vision that some of you men had when you met your wife and realized that, hey, she's the one. This is now bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. And then he says, therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife. Amen. Not his partner, not his friend, his wife. Mm-hmm. Beloved, Jesus, many times, and again, I'm repeating a little bit from this morning, but let me just remind you that one of the arguments in the world today, they'll go to the Bible and they say, well, Paul was the only one that had a problem with homosexuality. Paul was the only one that said anything about that. Jesus never said anything about it. Jesus never said one thing, yea or nay, about same-sex marriage. I beg to differ. Matthew, the 19th chapter. We went there this morning, but I'm going to go back this evening. Matthew, the 19th chapter. Down in verse 4, just for the lack of time. Jesus answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let not man put asunder. In other words, man, you can't do anything to change what God has established as the institution of marriage. You don't need to come in, but you, you can't interfere with it. If you do, you're going against God. You can't try to redefine it. If you do, you're going against God. You can't endorse something else as a better op- option. If you do, you're going against God. What God has joined together. What has God joined together? A man and a woman. That's what He's joined together. It's the one institution that survived the fall of Adam. It's the only thing. The family survived the fall of Adam. What about the law? What did the law say? You say, we don't live under the law. No, we don't live under the law. But the law can tell us a lot about what God thinks about something. Back over in Leviticus, the 20th chapter, but on your way... Let me just read you something out of Deuteronomy. You can turn to Leviticus chapter 20. And some of the things we're going to read tonight, you say, well, why are you going there? This mixed company. I want to tell you, it's in the Bible, beloved. And we need to hear it here instead of out yonder somewhere. But in Deuteronomy chapter 23 and verse 17, here's what God says. This is a law. It says, There shall be no whore of the daughters of Israel, 
nor a sodomite of the sons of Israel. Now, this is in the context of worship. And let me, let me set the context for you and make you sure you understand. Somebody will say, oh, no, no, that, that has to do with worship. In the Baalish religions, in the pagan religions of that day, there were actually uh, temple prostitutes and people that uh, engaged in sordid activity as a form of worship, they claimed. And he says, you're not to do that. There'll be, no, there'll be no whore of the daughters of Israel, no sodomite of the sons of Israel. That was anathema to God. That was an abomination in his sight. And he goes farther. He says, that's the general rule. And then in Leviticus chapter 20, I want you to notice some of these laws that God has set forth. Beginning, let's see in verse 9. Let's just begin in verse 9. Now look at the progression here. Look at, the, look at these that are grouped, grouped together. Um, for everyone, verse 9, Leviticus 20, that curseth his father or his mother shall be surely put to death. He hath cursed his father or his mother, his blood shall be upon him. Do you think God thinks that the family is important? Yes. Do you believe that God has a particular emphasis on families? Mm-hmm. He says in that day, if you cursed your parents, you were stoned to death. Wouldn't be any juvenile courts in the land, would they? No need for them. They just took them out and, and, they, and they, they stoned them. Okay? Problems in the family. Now, verse 10. And the man that committeth adultery with another man's wife, even he that committeth adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall surely be put to death. Does God intend for, parent, for marriage to be sanctified and holy? Now look at the progression. It goes from problems within cursing parents to, and, and, and being unruly to committing adultery and breaking up a marriage. And then verse 11, the man that lieth with his father's wife hath uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. He comes into the incestuous relationship. If a man lie with his daughter-in-law, both of them shall surely be put to death. They have wrought confusion. Their blood shall be upon them. That's a fornication of, of a strange type that doesn't involve blood relations necessarily. He says, that's wrong. Now look at verse 13. If a man also lie with mankind, as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. Right there in the middle of all of that, you see, is the same. Now now let let me stop here and say this. Let's be sure and be careful in this world that we live in today. We like to prioritize sins. Did you notice that God didn't start with same-sex marriage? And He's not going in there either. But it's right there in the middle. And my point is is that you can't take one sin and elevate it above another, although we see from the Word of God that the consequences are greater in this life for some rather than others. But when sin is open and rampant, when, when sin is, uh, uh, is promoted even through the, uh, through the society, then look what happens. And let's keep reading here, and then I'm going to come back, and I want you to see something here about this. If a man take a wife and her mother, it is wickedness. They shall be burnt with fire, both he and they, that there be no wickedness uh, among you. Multiple partners and, and within a family. That's, that's wrong, he says. That's, that's just getting, it's getting worse, you see. And if a man lie with a beast, he shall surely be put to death, and ye shall slay the beast. And he goes on to talk about the other problems with that. Let me tell you something. It's a progression, isn't it?
Due to the constraints of time, we will stop the message here. But please join us tomorrow for the conclusion of this message. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's Z-I-O-N-P-B-C-1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismccool at gmail.com. That's the letter J, C-H-R-I-S-M-C-C-O-O-L at gmail.com. Again, thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you is my prayer. We thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, please visit us online at zionpbc.com.